If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6. In the New Testament, it's the first book of the New Testament. And, uh, well, we are in the middle of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, Just as a reminder for some of you, if maybe this is your first week or you're not familiar with what we're doing, it's a 21-day window that we focus on the beginning of every year just to refocus and reorient ourselves uh, spiritually. Uh, It's kind of like a spiritual alignment. You know, when your car gets out of alignment and it goes off the road when you take your hands off the wheel, it just goes in the wrong direction. A spiritual alignment keeps us true in the right direction. Over this 21-day window, we encourage people to participate however they can participate. Um, It is not a requirement. We're not asking people to go without food for 21 days. There are some people that have actually done that over the years, um, but that's not what we're asking people to do. Like I said last week, if you were here, (coughs) if it means something to you, it means something to God. And to replace that time of eating with time with the Lord in prayer and seeking him, if you are looking for more of God, God is going to reveal himself to you during this 21-day window of intentionality. Uh, So we are in this time of prayer and fasting. Um, Part of what we're doing this year is we're doing a a series to kick off uh, the year, and the series is called Prepare a Place. Um, That would be new for you if you're brand new here today, but you've heard me talk about it before. In 2020, we want God to prepare, we want to prepare a place for God to move. Um, And that doesn't mean a building, it means our hearts. We're talking about who we are internally, not who the location or what the location is. It comes out of Mark chapter 1, verse 3. Um, that simply says, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And what I believe that that's saying is that God challenges us and encourages us to remove any boundary, obstacle, or obstruction between us and him so that we can have a deeper, more genuine relationship with God. You see, God is not needing to get closer to us. We need to get closer to God. He's always present He's always around. He's looking to be in relationship with us. And if we want to have a closer relationship with God, preparing a way and making straight paths means eliminating the barriers and the obstacles between us and God that we have control over. And by doing that, we have an opportunity to grow spiritually. So if we genuinely want to experience more of God in our lives this year, we can This isn't something that's reserved for leaders in a church. It's not something reserved for pastors in a church. It's a message that applies to every person that if you're hungry for more of God, God wants to fill fill you with more of himself. And that's why we encourage people to walk the journey with us. Preparation takes time, okay? The same thing every single day over a long period of time has good results. It takes intentionality that we can't invite God to change us but not participate in the process, Um, And it's not just a routine. There's actually a rhythm that we can build into our lives. And we all understand this, you know. I mean, any of our students that are in school know that there are study times and test times. And and there's this rhythm. If you want to take a good test and do well on a test, you need to study, right? I mean, that's things you need to invest to be intentional in. And there are rhythms like that in our lives. Spiritually, there are rhythms as well. As you incorporate different things in your life, you apply those things over and over again in rhythms, you'll find that God and you come closer to each other. Last week, we talked about fasting as one of the the rhythms that we want to encourage in 2020, not just for this month. You know, what you're going to hear is how we do more rhythms across the year in 2020. Fasting is actually going to be something that we're encouraging the church to participate in the first three days of every month this year. 
It's a rhythm that we want people to get into to say, if you will carve out a portion of your month every month to be more aligned to what God has for you, you will find that you will gain great spiritual fruit from that and you will build a deeper relationship with God. Last week when I talked about fasting, uh, you may have heard me say this, that fasting doesn't move God closer to you, it moves us closer to God. Fasting is not about drawing God closer to you. You're not twisting God's arm to respond your way, the way that you want it or my way. When I fast, I'm saying that my hunger for God is greater than my hunger for food. That the fleshly part of my body, though it does ask for things, right? I mean, some of you probably have tummy grumbling going on right now. And your body's saying, eat, eat, eat. That's great, you know? But I'm saying to that, I'm saying, for this moment, you need to stand down. Because my relationship and nurturing a relationship with God takes priority over what you're asking of me physically. So if you're hungry for God and you're looking for more of God, I encourage you to participate. And what you'll find during your fast is that God won't get closer to you. You're going to get closer to God. And it's an awesome experience that we've seen happen over and over again. This week and for the next three weeks, we're going to actually turn a corner and not talk about fasting. We're going to talk about prayer. Because I believe in addition to fasting, one of the routines or one of the rhythms we need to get into in spirit, for spiritual health is a lifestyle of prayer, that we practice prayer on an ongoing basis for the purpose of being in relationship with God. Prayer is, when you look through scripture, it is the number one thing that drives spirituality between man and God. Without prayer, there is no real relationship with God. Jesus constantly prayed through the gospels. You see, he often withdrew to lonely places in Luke chapter five and prayed. You see that he said his father's house would be a father's, his father's house would be a house of what? Prayer. He didn't say that his father's house would be a house of worship or a house of teaching. His father's house is a house of prayer. Why? Because foundationally prayer is associated with relationship. So I think prayer is incredibly important for us not just to talk about, but for us to practice. But here's what I know about prayer when it, terms to Christ, when it comes to Christianity and Christian circles. It's probably one of the things that Christians struggle with the most. People will come to church more sometimes than they will pray. They'll serve in events and activities more than they will pray. Sometimes people will, will do large, they'll make large donations and give large amounts of money to different things more than they would pray. And yet Jesus shows us that the most important thing to impact our lives spiritually is to practice the discipline of prayer. So why is it that it's such a difficult thing for us to practice, and yet it is probably one of the most important things for us to do? Well, maybe that's why. <laughs> because it's the most important thing for us to do, so it's naturally going to be one of the most difficult things. I think there is a mystery to prayer in general that maybe you have a stereotype around prayer that you've grown up in, and maybe it's just not something that did it for you. Maybe it just felt boring. Uh, maybe it didn't have a lot of life to it, or you associate prayer with something specific that you didn't really get a lot of benefit out of. There is some unknown and mystery of prayer. I want to demystify prayer over the next few weeks, and I want to teach some very practical things regarding prayer that by doing it, what you'll find is that it's not a secret, and it's not mysterious. It's simple, and it's something that God wants every Christian and every follower of him to practice on an ongoing daily basis. So to do that, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And before we get to verse 9, where he actually gives instruction on how to pray, I want to look at the first uh, verses 5 through 8, and I want to talk about it just briefly this morning so that we all have an understanding of why prayer is so significant. 
and to debunk some of the myths that people have regarding prayer. So I'm going to read beginning in verse 5. And uh, Jesus says this to the followers, to his followers. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is really powerful. Jesus is setting up why prayer is, is important before he teaches them how to pray. And there's a lot of examples that he has in there, maybe something that you may have missed or maybe misinterpreted. But there's two things I think we should pull out of this of why prayer is so important. And the first is that Jesus is talking about the heart of prayer. When he tells people and he tells his disciples not to pray in public, but to go to a quiet room, close the door and pray, he's not saying that public prayer is wrong. What he's saying is the things that matter the most to you, those are the things that you're going to focus on because those are the things that are in your heart. So if we want our prayer to be effective, it needs to come from our heart, not from what people want to do outside around us, not because the world around us is doing it. Peer pressure isn't the reason. He wants our prayer to be effective because by having it come from our hearts. And I think we would understand that really there's, there's two different places that we could present how, who we are. There's a public persona that we may have, and then there's a private persona of who, we may, of who we may be. And the truth of the matter is sometimes the public and the private don't always look the same. And the reason for that is because what we really have in our heart is evidenced in our homes, not necessarily in the public. What we really have going on in our hearts is what's evident, what we see at home. And when Jesus is talking about going to your room and closing the door and speaking to God, what he's saying is, I want the priority of your heart to be to communicate with me. doesn't matter what people are doing on the outside, but if it's in your heart, then it can be effective. The second part that he talks about is the idea of praying without babbling and repetition. And he talks about these pagans that think they're going to be heard because they use so many words. And then in verse 8, he says, don't be like them. For your father already knows what you need before you ask him. This is so awesome because prayer is simply communication between us and God. We're talking to God. And what he says here in verse 7 and 8 is he's making this comparison saying, the pagans of the world that don't know me and that are praying to all of their gods, they traditionally would use many words over and over again, different ways of saying the exact same thing over and over again. And what was their motivation? That maybe if they said it enough, they would get their God's attention and the God was obligated to respond to them. And Jesus is saying through that, you don't need to do that. Speak what you need to speak. Persevere in asking God and being in relationship with God. But you don't have to question whether he's going to respond. Why? Because he wants to speak to you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, Jesus is telling his disciples, you don't need to roll through all of these various ways of doing it. Yes, we want to be persistent, but you're not going to try to convince Jesus or the Lord to speak to you because he already wants to speak to you. God wants you to be in relationship with him. He wants you to hear him. He wants your words to him to be heard, and he wants his words to you to be heard. If I could say it a little differently, I say this. When your heart speaks to God, 
God speaks to your heart. And that is the truth of the benefit of prayer. It's so important. These verses are summarizing what Jesus is trying to say, I think. When your heart speaks to God, when you're genuinely looking to speak to God from your heart, you can rest assured that he will speak to you in response. That's worth, that's worth all, just for coming here this morning, you just needed to hear that. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I guess you guys aren't being funny this morning. It's okay. Just kidding. It's all right. We don't live in a world where people necessarily believe that God wants to respond. God is so busy. He's doing all of these other things. He wants to speak to you and he wants to speak to me. And if my heart is in the right place, true prayer in the right place, wanting to communicate with God, he will speak to you and he will speak to me. He wants to answer us. So he gives us these key things for us to understand. Effective prayer is going to be coming from your heart and effective prayer results in God speaking to you. You don't have to question that. And then he tells his disciples the how-to, beginning in Matthew 6, verses 9. And he says this. So we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to read the whole prayer together. If you can follow along with the slide, we're going to read this together right now. This, then, is how you should pray. And let's read. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive our debts, our debts, as we for, also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Wow, I couldn't even say the Lord's Prayer without messing it up. This is probably very familiar for some of you. Some of you maybe grew up in a tradition where this is how you prayed. I can tell you, and quite honestly, I wasn't into my 30s that I actually knew the Lord's Prayer. I heard of it, but I never actually remembered it. And that doesn't say much considering that I didn't say it right <laughs> this morning. I'm still learning. The Lord's Prayer teaches us how to pray. But it's not a prescription. You can recite the words just as they are. I mean, when you recite Scripture, that's never a bad thing. But the point of the Lord's Prayer is not to give us a prescription on saying these words a specific way, to not give us a formula, but they identify qualities that make effective prayer. If you want to pray and have a dynamic prayer life with God, here are the qualities that you want to have as part of your prayer life. Today we're going to look at the first two verses of the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to identify four qualities that I believe that I see here, that if we, if we apply those qualities to our prayer life, it will take you to a whole new level and a whole new place. You'll realize that it's not as hard to pray as you think. You can pray longer than you thought was possible. It will touch your heart in a way that you never thought was possible if you apply the, the qualities that we see that Jesus teaches us. So we're going to look at the first verse that says this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first piece is our Father in heaven from Matthew 6, 9. And what this is saying is that effective prayer involves faith. Effective prayer involves faith. When you pray to the Lord and you start with our Father in heaven, you have to have faith. You can't pray without faith. Scripture says very clearly, without faith, it's impossible to believe or to, to please God. So what is it that we're actually believing in? What are we actually putting our faith in when we pray to the Lord? Well, number one, we have to pray that he, we have to believe he exists, right? 
We're not praying to nothingness. Why would we do that? That would be silly. We pray to one who exists. He's the creator of the world. He's the creator of the universe. We have to believe in some degree if we're going to reach out and call out that either he exists or we want to believe he exists. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a follower of Jesus, you believe you know that he exists. If you're not sure what you believe and you're maybe more of an agnostic and you're praying, you're not sure, but you're hoping and you're wondering if he's there. It all takes an element of faith. Does that make sense? We have to have faith to even begin to pray. So when we're saying our Father in heaven, we have to believe he exists. Number two, we have to believe that he's God. We have to believe that he's divine, that he's bigger than us. He's our Father and he's in heaven. He's not on earth, he's in heaven. That he's God and he's almighty and he's all powerful. If we don't believe that, why would we pray to him? And the third part, which I believe is the most important, and this is what's so cool, is by calling out to God, our Father in heaven, we're reminding ourselves that we have relationship with him. We have faith that we have relationship with him. Why? Because Jesus refers to him as a father. And fathers are supposed to be involved in their kids' lives. Now, I know we don't live in a world where that's an everyday occurrence, and there may be some of you here that never had a relationship with their dad. But according to God's perfect plan, dads are supposed to be involved in their father's or their children's lives. So when we call out to the heavenly father, we're calling out to a dad who wants to be invested in our lives. He wants to be invested in your life. He's not too busy for you or me. That's something that might blow our minds. We have to have the faith that we're saying, Father, that he actually has space on his calendar for you and for me. Do you believe that this morning? When we pray, our Father in heaven, we're calling on, we're tugging on the robe of a father who says, I'm here for you. And what it does is it should give us a picture of a God who's not so busy creating everything in the universe that he doesn't have time for us. But he's looking, waiting, and he's active, you guys, for us to be able to speak to him. He wants us to speak to him so that he can speak back because prayer is all about communication. David, a man after God's own heart in the Old Testament, said it a little differently in Psalm chapter 8 when he said, When I look at the heavens, I consider the stars and the moon and the stars that you've hung in place. He says, What is man that you are mindful of, of him? What is he saying there? When I look at how vast all the creation is around me, God, and how you've created everything, and it must be really, really, really hard work, and you must be super busy, why would you take the time to get to know me? And yet that's exactly what Jesus says God does. You're not a number to him, you're a name. You and I are not numbers. We don't have to get in queue and wait for him to answer. If you've ever been on one of those chat rooms for like cable companies or tech companies, thank you for calling. Thank you for your text. We'll get in touch with you. Please wait your number. True story. I went on last week. Broadway's um, buy one, get one free Broadway week starts soon. And they just went, tickets went on sale January 8th. So I went on the website to see what kind of shows were available. I was 70,156th in line to get on the website because that many people were trying to get ahead of me and I had a 19-minute wait before I could get on. That's a long time. You think 70,000 people. Well, it's Broadway. They should have big technology. But, but you have to wait, right? You've got to wait in line to have this, this final response to say, okay, finally, I've waited long enough. Maybe I'll get a glimmer of hope. And if you, and this is what happened, true story, 
I got distracted and my dog had to go out. And when I came back, I got on cue and then they shut me out. So I had to do it all over again. And this time it wasn't 19 minutes. It was a lot longer. And I just said, forget it. So anyway, here's my point. There is no cue in God's kingdom. When you reach out to God and you call out to God, our Father in heaven, you know what you're saying? You're saying, you're my dad who wants relationship with me and you're available. Remember that when we go into prayer today. You're available. The Lord's prayer teaches us the quality of God being available. The second part, the second part he says is hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. An effective prayer in this way is talking specifically about worship. When we're saying hallowed be your name, we're saying, God, you are great. You are big. You are famous. And we're going to declare that today, not just with our lips, but with our lives. Our lives are going to be evidence of how great that you are. You see, there's only so long that someone can tell you something with their words if their actions don't support it, right? You've heard people say this, actions speak louder than words, right? So your words matter, but your actions really determine how important it is to your heart. And what God is showing us through this prayer is when we say, hallowed be your name, we're saying worship is an element and a part of prayer, That when we say, God, we're going to declare how good you are, but we're not just saying it with our lips, we're showing it with our lives. That's true worship. Worship isn't music. Worship is not music. People associate worship sometimes with music. Hey, that worship service was really great, or I really enjoyed the worship today. It's not music. It's not an art. It's not expression. True worship is communicating God's worth to him by the way we live. Music is a medium that we use to connect with God and to demonstrate our love for God, but in itself, it's not worship. What real worship is, is a heart that wants to demonstrate God's worth by the way it lives. So if you live in a way that honors God, you are worshiping God. You can worship God with a microphone and you can sing. Scripture says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Well, some people don't have the ability to sing like others and they shouldn't have a microphone. But you can still worship God. It says make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? That's okay. People worship God in their gifts, in their abilities. There are people worshiping God right now in our nursery by taking care of some of your little babies. There are people worshiping God right now, teaching those children on how to grow in relationship with God. There are people that worship God by greeting you when you walk through the doors today. There are people that worship God by changing the light bulbs in this building throughout the week. You see how this works? It doesn't matter what area of your life that you're going to do. Everything that you do, if you do it unto the Lord, you're worshiping, and it is a way of involving effective prayer in your life. Part of effective prayer is by including an attitude of worship. Hallowed be your name. Do you demonstrate to God how great he is regardless of what area of your life that you're in? You know, sometimes people have this, this, this divide in their life that thinks, um, you know, I have a job and then I have my faith. And we create these, these silos in our lives where Jesus fits in portions of our lives, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. The core of who we're supposed to be is a follower of Christ. Everything comes from that. Just reflecting over the last few years, I mean, when the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl with their second string quarterback, Nick Foles did an incredible job, but he was a great witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Anybody that watched that unfold saw a man who loved God and wasn't afraid to talk about it with the platform that God gave him. And he worshiped God by throwing a pigskin on a grassy lawn or on a lawn. I can't do that. Some of you might be able to do it, but probably not to the degree he could. He worshiped God in the area that God gave him the ability to do it. If you're worshiping God, you're also demonstrating prayer. Hallowed be your name. Verse 10, he moves to the third quality and he says this. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in the beginning of verse 10. Your kingdom come speaks to effective prayer involving expectation. Expectation. That it's a desire in our heart for God to continue the work he already began in us and around us. That when we come to God in prayer, there is an expectation. Part of our prayer to God is not, Lord, I hope that you hear me. I hope that you're listening. I hope you're not too busy. It's, no, you showed me that you're my dad. I know that you can hear me. I know that you're listening and I know you're going to respond to me doesn't mean that God responds to us exactly the way that we expect him to. God doesn't always give us what we want the way that we want, but the relationship is what matters. So we need to take off the table the idea that prayer is only about asking God for stuff. Because when we do that, we have a perverted view of prayer. Because you know what's going to happen at some point? At some point in your life, in my life, we will ask God to do something in our lives that he does not do. And then we walk away from God because we say God didn't listen to us. That's not the point of prayer. There is an element of petition and request to prayer, but it's all about relationship. And can I tell you, if your heart is in the right place to just be in a relationship with him, God is willing to respond. We understand this from our family perspectives. My kids, I understand this. I know I've talked about this with some of you before and maybe even brought it up in Sundays before, but we know when our children want to be with us because they want something versus when they want to be with us, right? I see y'all smiling. I know what you know what I'm talking about. You know, you just come home one day and like miraculously speaking, the kitchen is cleaned up. <laughs> the rooms are all tidied up. It's a miracle, you know, the grass is mowed or something and you don't know why or how it just happened. Or if they come up to you and they say, Mother, is there anything I can do for you today? And your radar goes up, right? You know what I'm talking about? Can I sit and have a conversation with you? Uh oh, right? What do we say? What's going on? How much do you need? What happened? Right? I mean, these are things that we dialogue about. Not every child does that. I never did that. My children have never done that. But, but some of you might have had that experience. See, God knows. He knows if the only time you and I are going to him is because our expectation is that he's going to give us something. What if your expectation and my expectation is that God's going to respond to us, that he's going to be in relationship with us, that he's going to draw us closer to him, and we can say with a confidence, I'm coming to you primarily because I just want to spend time with you, Lord. And I don't just come to you when things are bad. Corey Ten Boom said, for those of you who don't know who she was, she was a, a Dutch watchmaker that lived during the time of World War II who saved hundreds and hundreds of Jewish people from the Holocaust during World War II. And she said, the question that she posed was, is prayer your steering wheel or is prayer your spare tire? Because when prayer is your steering wheel, it takes you in the direction that you're going to go every day. You get in your car and you have your steering wheel. When it's your spare tire, you only need it you only use it when things go bad. 
Our expectation needs to be God's kingdom come and we can trust him to know and to walk and do what he says that he's going to do. The fourth criteria or the first fourth quality today is simply this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer also involves submission. That when we come to God in prayer, it's not just about coming to him in faith or worship with an attitude of expectation, but it's also a heart submitted for his will to be done on earth, not our will. This is exactly the opposite that our world teaches us, friends. The world teaches us that God is number one. No, the world teaches us that we are number one and we drive our own life and maybe that other stuff can help us out. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life must lose it. And that whole idea is not about giving up something that you're going to regret. It's about getting out of the driver's seat and letting Jesus take the wheel. Thank you, Carrie Underwood. Y'all knew it. I know some of you were thinking of it. Now you're singing the song, right? Right? Take it from my hands, whatever that means. Um, That's hard for us to practice submission sometimes because we lay it down sometimes, but then we want to pick it right back up again, don't we? Sometimes we lay it down, but we want to pick it right back up. Okay, today, and I think that's what Paul meant when he said, each and every day, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Because living sacrifices can get up and walk away. And the next day, you might get up and go, I know I was on the altar yesterday, but today, I'm over here. Get back over here. you got to put my will back on the altar. And I get up the next day, and it gets off again. Get back on the altar. And I think there's some truth to that in terms of prayer. When we come to God with our hands open, we're saying, it's not my will, Lord, it's yours. And that's exactly how Jesus modeled prayer when he spoke to the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified. And what did he say? He said, Lord, take this cup from me. He was saying, I don't want to go through this, but not my will, yours be done, because his heart was fully submitted to the work of the Father. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up now. We're not finishing early. I'm sorry. But throughout this week... As I was wondering what I was going to say, you see, I'm not usually one who has a problem with words. I use too many of them. I didn't have a whole lot to say beyond what I just said. I was like, Lord, I don't really know where to go with this for the rest of the service. And God was challenging me, and he says, well, you know what? There's always a time for us to worship. There's a time for us to hear the word. But is there a time this Sunday for us to do the word, to practice what we talk about? So what we're going to do for the next 20 minutes is we're going to pray as a church, together, in groups, in families, maybe you came with some people, and we're going to walk you through, I'm going to walk you through what it's like for us to pray some of the qualities that we see in the Lord's Prayer. Now, some of you maybe are sitting here right now thinking, I knew there was a reason why I shouldn't have come today. (laughs) And I want to encourage you first to go, prayer is not complicated, my friends. It's not mysterious. It's communicating and talking to God. You do not need to be at a certain level to have a conversation with God. Like I said earlier, his righteousness is what makes us pure. We can never be good enough, but through Jesus, we can be. So if you're here this morning and you're feeling a little awkward about it, well, sit tight just for a few moments. I know there's a few different types of people here this morning, and I want to speak to you individually before we get started. One, you might be the Christian that's comfortable with prayer. You might be here going, okay, I can pray. I have some family around me or some friends. I'll gather and we'll just pray together. That's good. Tell me what to do. 
Then you might be one of the Christians that are here this morning saying like, I am really, really nervous and my heart is pounding 100 miles an hour right now that you're going to ask me to do something that I'm not comfortable doing. Can I encourage you this morning? You will have to choose to push past that uncomfortableness today. And when you choose to do that in obedience to just communing with God, be prepared for him to answer. You might have said, this is really hard for me. I don't know if I can do this. Let me just say this to you. It took more effort for you to get up this morning, get dressed, have your food, drive in your car, come to the service today than it will take for you to connect with the creator of the universe. You put more effort into all of those things this morning than it will take for you to commune with God today. Why? Because the heart of the Father is to respond to those who want to respond and speak with Him. So don't get nervous about what we're going to do. Just be open to what God wants to do in you. The third group of people I want to speak to are the skeptics or the doubters, or maybe an agnostic. Maybe you don't know what you believe. Maybe you're here sometimes and you leave. Maybe you're not quite sure how the whole God thing works, or maybe you've had a bad experience. Can I tell you, please don't leave. This applies to you too, and I'll explain what I mean. While everyone else is praying, for those that are followers of Jesus Christ, I want you to pray too. But here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray that if any of this stuff really is what it's supposed to be, and God really is who he says he is, that he's gonna show up in your life. When we pray through faith and worship and expectation, when we pray through all of those things and submission, spend your time praying saying, Lord, I don't even know if I believe that you're there. I don't even know if I think that you're really who you say you are. I don't wanna pray like these other people. I just wanna say, show up if you really are who you say you are. That is a beautiful prayer that God takes and he plants in his heart and he will speak back to you and he will reveal himself to you as you continue to follow him. Can I tell you this also? God is no respecter of flowery language. You don't need to pray like the people next to you. You don't need to pray like your friend or your family member. You don't, have to, you don't even have to pray in King James English. Because many of you maybe learned the Lord's Prayer in King James English. That is the onlyth way to prayeth to the Lord. God doesn't care. There was a thief on a cross who looked at Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. God is not a respecter of flowery language. Just speak from your heart. So if you have some people around you, maybe your families, we want to encourage especially families, but maybe friends, if you're here by yourself and you just want to you know, connect with someone around you, that's okay. If you just want to pray by yourself, that's cool too. I wanna especially encourage the husbands and the dads in this room that if this is gonna stretch you, can I tell you, you're not alone. It'll stretch other people here as well. Take a step and help lead this in your home today. So we're gonna start with 1 John 3, 1, and we're gonna look at the quality of faith. John writes, see what great love the Father, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. What I wanna encourage you to pray right now with those around you is a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of faith, a recognition that you are not distant from God, that through Jesus Christ, he has given an opportunity for all of us to be his sons and daughters. Let's take a few moments and thank God for the relationship that we have and to become and to be called sons and daughters. Would you take a few minutes now and just pray?
And the second quality that we'll look at this morning is the quality of worship. The quality of worship that we see in how we pray to the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The message that God has for us today is, as we pray this morning, let's pray saying, Lord, you have my heart, you have my soul, you have my strength, you have my hands, you have my feet. Can you take a moment in your prayer time and just make that declaration today? Just say, God, use me. Let every area of my life worship, be worshiped to you. And Lord, if there's any part of us that isn't worshiping you, would you reveal that to us so that we can change? Let's pray for that quality today. on to the quality of expectation in our prayers. First Peter chapter 1, Peter writes this, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. As we take some time in prayer, let's, let's pray in expectation, not just that God will answer us, but that God's word will continue to be fulfilled. Let's pray if we struggle with expectation that God would birth something new in us this morning to be expectant because where there's no expectation, there's no result. So let's pray in expectation this morning. The fourth quality that we'll look at this morning, the quality of submission. As we pray to the Lord, Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 12 too, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's take a few moments and just pray that we would continue to allow our minds to be restored and renewed according to God's plan, that we stay in the passenger seat and not the driver's seat, and that every part of us, just like worship, is available to God to change and to transform any way he chooses. Let's pray. Well, it's my hope during this last few moments that your heart's been encouraged. Maybe some of you, it's been comfortable and you've been okay with making these choices to pray. For some of you, it may have been a real stretch. But can I tell you, let's just be reminded again today, what you did this morning was you just communicated with God. And if it comes from your heart, trust him that as you continue to do that, he does respond. He will respond. That last prayer of submission, God, take my hands, take my feet, Take my life, take my body, take my resources, take my, my will, take every part of me, Lord, and just let me be someone who can be used by you to be transformed so that others can see you as well. The worship team is gonna close in a song this morning. It's just called, Come Like the Dawn. And the words are just so powerful that we make a declaration as a church. And the declaration is simply this, you are welcome here. You are welcome here, oh God. And we're not talking about God being welcomed in a building because the Apostle Paul makes it clear, though Jesus said, my Father's house will be a house of prayer, 
the Apostle Paul reminds us, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, our temples are now, our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we say you are welcomed here, we're making a personal declaration that God is welcomed in our heart to change us, to fill us, and to make us more like him. Would you stand as we sing this last song together?